Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I am your host, Justin Schwarzenberger, and it's been a minute since we've seen each other. Uh, our whole crew was out at Angular Denver, uh, representing there, uh, giving talks, getting together. So that was great. And then we had a little bit of downtime here while we tried to figure out a new platform uh, since Hangouts on Air went away. So we had to scramble to find, find a solution for that. But we've got something that's going, so we're going to give it a run here today, and we'll see how it goes. And on today's episode, we are talking about Angular and CSS Grid. Uh, any CSS fans out there, uh, get excited. I'm, I'm a CSS fan, so I'm excited. I know some of our panelists are too, so we can't wait to hear more about this topic and, and looking forward to it. So let's meet our, say hi to our panelists, and then we'll meet our guests, and then we'll get things rolling. Uh, joining us today, we've got Mike Brocky. Mike, what's going on? Uh, not too much. Uh, ready to uh, hang out and chat a little bit about making Angular pretty. Awesome. Awesome. We got Bonnie with us. Bonnie, what's going on? Oh, well, Nada, how you doing? I got dinner going on in the background. Dinner, huh? All right. It's late for you. Yeah, we well, yeah, well, we're because we move time zones now, so we're uh, we're streaming from uh, holidays. All right, all right. We still dinner the episode's over, right? So, all right, Alyssa's with us. Alyssa, how's it going? Hello, hello. So excited to be here. Love Bill and love this topic. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. And our guest today is Bill Odom. Bill, how's it going? Hey there. Hey everybody. Uh, it is an honor. Uh, I'm, unless I'm uh, unless I'm getting too old to remember, I'm pretty sure this is my first time on this show. Yeah. Well, uh, we it's are, about time. Just <laughs> I just want to, I'm not the one who who spoiled the the guest this time. It wasn't me. Right. right. I'm sorry. That, that's quite that's quite all right. We have this little thing, Bill. Let me fill you in real quick. Uh, I go through the panelists and sometimes our panelists get excited and, and say the name of our guest before we get to the guest and the big reveal, right? Um, and so Bonnie usually does that. So I, I call on her last in case she does and then it's a perfect transition, but- just, I ruined it. I ruined it, Bill, I'm sorry. But I'm more excited about dinner, but I am also really excited about you being on the show. I appreciate the honesty. I was gonna say, I. Uh, I'm I'm fairly well known, but not to the point of a uh, single name. I'm no prince or share. Uh, so just saying, Bill probably didn't give all that much away. Alyssa, don't feel bad. <laughs> I think right. everyone knows who Bill Odom is, and if not, they should. Well, I used Bill to tell people way back in the like I was never terribly popular, but I was always fairly well known. <laughs> there you go. There you well, go. we love you. <laughs> Well, Bill, why don't you fill in our uh, viewers, uh, let them know a little bit about yourself and what you got going on. Sure. Uh, Bill Odom, developer, consultant, programmer, raconteur, man about town. Um, spent the last several years working with Angular and, of course, before that, AngularJS, and then a long, long list of things uh, before that. Um, all this gray came from somewhere. Um, Several years ago, started spending a lot of time working with the nice people uh, that do Angular Bootcamp. That's Oasis Digital, and you'll see a little bit about them uh, when I start presenting. Um, and uh, I was, again, doing the independent consulting thing and had just wrapped up a giant project with a client of mine and was about to take a bunch of time off when uh, when one of the principals at Oasis came to me and they're like, hey, how would you feel about doing a little bit of training for us? I'm like, sure, I can fit that into my schedule. And that's about the time that Angular JS took off in huge popularity. So uh, that's the point where I started spending a lot of time on the road, traveling around, teaching people uh, Angular, both publicly, privately, uh, and ended up having a fantastic time with it. So I split my time these days between doing that sort of training and uh, actually consulting, development, technical architecture, that sort of thing. Really, really love it. Awesome. Awesome. Well. I'm pretty sure all of our panelists here, myself included, uh, uh, very much like to back the fact that you're an excellent trainer and a great teacher. So we're really looking forward to the content that you're going to provide us today. Very excited about it. Uh, that means a lot. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I find the training extremely rewarding because it's such a direct, um, you know, someone comes in not knowing a thing or not knowing a thing well, and they leave and they're like, I have new superpowers now. And it's really, really rewarding to see those little epiphanies. Uh, happen. Alyssa wasn't just in one of my classes, and it was so fantastic to have her there. We had such a great time. It was great. I mean, it's not only like the epiphanies you have, but it's just refreshing even for like 
things that you thought you knew, but maybe not as well as you should. And it really provides you a great, like, almost like an index in your head of all the things that exist out there that you could be doing in your code that you might not be. And so it was, it was incredible. And he is an amazing teacher. So if you do get a chance, highly recommend. <laughs> Much appreciated. And I should, I should hasten to add, Alyssa didn't need to come to my class. I basically said, Hey, Alyssa, please come to my class. It would be fun to have you in it. But I love that point that you make, Alyssa, is even if we know a lot of stuff and we're familiar with the topics, there's always like a little nugget here or there that you might be able to pick up. Or uh, especially one thing I've been thinking a lot about with Angular lately is that Angular is a platform and provides so many utilities to do so many things, yet we don't always know all the things that are there, right? So we might go and build something a certain way and it works in Angular, but there's actually something in the platform that could have made that easier or more, you know, better architecture. And so some things like this, where you go, you might hear about something that's like, oh, I didn't know that was there. And now I can bring that back and use it, even though I felt like I knew a lot of the things, right? So. Yeah, sure. I, uh, I remember, Alyssa, I think you and I actually had this conversation during one of the lunch breaks that one of the unexpected benefits of, of doing as much training as I have, and, and what did I say? It's like, between three and 4,000 people now that I've trained in person. Um, I, I, like I said, Justin, I thought I knew Angular pretty well. And then I started teaching Angular and I'm like, oh, there is so much more here. And I, I think of it in my head as kind of like a graph. My knowledge of Angular was kind of spiky. Like I knew a lot about this thing and then a little about these other things, maybe not even that they exist, and then a lot about this other thing and so on. But training means that on any given day, you might get asked about anything. And so over time, that graph gradually just creeps upward. So it becomes not so much spikes as it's just a giant wall of general knowledge about Angular and about the world that Angular lives in. And uh, the funny thing is, is that Oasis, the folks who do Angular Bootcamp, Oasis Digital, they have realized that having their working developers also be trainers makes them so much better at being working developers and consultants because you just learn so much and you encounter so many things that you wouldn't get even if you were working full time on multiple projects because there's no such thing as seeing thousands of people over the course of you know a few years, uh, no matter how busy you are. And I think actually that even applies, like even if you're not a trainer, right? Uh, but you're reviewing PRs, pull requests, or looking at other people's code and, and you start gathering this knowledge and these options, then you can provide feedback as well, even if you're not a trainer to like, hey, are you aware of this? Or I know about this in the platform, you could use it here. So, yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure a lot of people experience something similar, uh, you know, being extremely active across multiple open source projects, things like that, because you find out, oh, this thing that I built or this thing that I contribute to, I had no idea the, the nefarious purposes it was going to get put to. How do I help people do that? I love it. I really do. Nice. Nice. All right, so CSS Grid is our topic today, right? And how it applies within Angular? Absolutely. Oh, pretty excited. I'm excited about that. Who else is excited about that? I can't wait. <laughs> All right, so you want to um, jump into that? Or uh, do you have any, I guess, really quick, one of the things I started thinking about is like, OK, well, what about like Flexbox and Grid? or? You know that sort of thing, like or maybe she, even the like, hated like, floats. Yeah, or floats, <laughs> right? Back in the day, right? And clear, clear, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you how I got to this point. Um, I'm, I'm, I have been doing web development since before we called it the web. Um, like I was one of those people that's like. A, a browser, why do we need a browser? Gopher should be good enough for anyone. And before that, you know, FTP and terminal windows. And then the browser came along and we had HTML and, and it was fine, but I didn't really see what the point was. There seemed to be much po more powerful things. Now remember, we're talking early to mid nineties here. This is, this is a long time ago. Um, but gradually as browsers got better and as HTML got, you know, became joined by things like CSS. I'm like, oh, okay, there's there's really something here. And I I bought in big to that whole idea of strong separation of concerns between your content and your layout. Uh, I really liked that idea. But unfortunately, for a long time, and really until fairly recently, that was still kind of a dream. It it didn't work that way in practice. So I built a lot of web applications, a lot of really complicated big web applications that still 
the separation ended up being like different kinds of HTML with things like Alyssa was just talking about with floats and clears or tables and, and all of that. And I never felt great about it. I'm like, you know, this could be so much better. There, there's just some missing pieces. And the missing piece showed up a couple of years ago and it showed up in a big way. Now you ask about Flex, don't get me wrong. I love Flex. I think Flex is incredibly useful. Um, but Flex wasn't the whole story and it didn't provide us with kind of the layout primitives and calling them primitives is probably the wrong word because they're really, really amazingly advanced. But we didn't have the layout primitives that were necessary just to make it possible to finally pull apart those those different pieces that I'm talking about. We do now. And early 2017, they showed up pretty much simultaneously across all of the Evergreen browsers. So Edge, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, they all got CSS grid capabilities. And that largely, I'm not going to say it solves the problem, but it is so close to that original dream of your HTML can be about content and your styling, your layout, your cosmetics, all those things can live somewhere else. And I'm gonna show several examples of that we, as we talk here. Um, uh, just recently, I was talking with um, some good friends of mine and they were, of course, as, as, is, as is what programmers always do, they were complaining about CSS. And I said, make sure that you realize that most of our complaints were largely about layout. CSS is big and complicated, but the days of floats and clears and table-based layout and, and even like trying to get flex to do the right thing sometimes, really gave a lot of people PTSD. And it's now, perfectly, right? Yeah. <laughs> now there is a better way. And I, I, I can tell you the, uh, the hidden agenda of this talk is it's about CSS grid in combination with Angular, but it's mostly to get programmers to take a fresh look at CSS because while we were busily like hating it, it got a lot better when we weren't watching. All right, Bill, Bill is such an old guy that you tell us. Agenda, right at the top. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. I, I didn't hear you. Amsterdam was talking. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to get rid of my CSS hate. Teach uh, me the ways. I want to clarify be before we get started. So, you, my understanding is that because um, I have not played much with grid, I do everything with layout, like floats, and with flex still. And so, my understanding is that the grid does all the same things just easier like there's nothing new it actually adds because everything was still possible with layouts or flex it was just harder is that true um well it depends on what you mean by possible technically lots of things are possible that i wouldn't want to do <laughs> um what does that mean like you, like <laughs> like some ugly css <laughs> absolutely um so yeah we've been able to do most of what grid does but the the friction the difficulty in doing it and just the terrible things that it did to our to our application architecture um grid solves that uh i mean the jokes are always you know what does it take to center something on a page well yeah that's it's it's a, amazingly difficult to do simple things so we end up doing uh either terrible hackery in order to make something work or we don't do some of the things that we could do and that's that's the the shame of it. Um, Grid makes it so straightforward to do a lot of these things that now we begin actually embracing much more interesting and what would have been incredibly complicated designs because they're just not complicated anymore. Um, the funny thing is, is as I've gotten better at Grid, I've realized how much I was unconsciously constraining myself, and now I'm not because I don't fear layout. I don't have to worry, oh, I, you know, my client is paying for X, Y, and Z functionality. I don't have time to futz around with layout. I have to like get this stuff done. And now that's just not an issue. Oh, I cannot wait. Ooh, show us, show us, Bill. <laughs> All right, Justin, you wanna, you wanna turn on the screen? I'll, I'll move you guys to a different window so we don't get the cool uh, inception effect. All right, you guys Time are now off to my left, so I apologize for looking at you over here. <laughs> Everybody see the, the cool mountain backdrop there? Yes. We do, we do. All right. Let's start off with, uh, with Chrome here. This thing's called Spacewalk. Everybody see the cool hyperspace effect? Yes. Punchy All right, we have, we, have, we have to wait for a moment, though, because uh, here we are in hyperspace, and um, we're going to get visited. 
So, oh, there he goes. So Benny, Benny is in orbit with us as well. How do we do that um, with Grid? Well, <laughs> Grid actually is in use on this page. The cool spacewalk, or excuse me, the cool hyperspace effect that's back there, that's not CSS Grid. That's stuff you've been able to do in CSS for a long time, even before Grid, uh, using some perspective effects. But this is not like a flash animation. This is not a uh, you know an animated GIF. That actually is straight HTML, CSS, and an image that's being uh, transformed with, with CSS in the background. Remember, Mike, I said my hidden agenda is to make programmers who hate CSS go, wait a minute, maybe I should care about this thing again. Maybe, maybe it's not as bad as I heard. All right, um, so let me explain to you what we're gonna look at here in this application. So I've got a whole bunch of examples. Um, and this is an Angular application, but it's an Angular application that's deliberately very simple and straightforward. I'm gonna explain a few pieces along the way, but I don't want anybody to be misled and think that, oh, all of the stuff that I'm seeing must be done with some sort of like heavy duty TypeScript, JavaScript, Angular trickery. Almost everything about this Angular application is like very fundamental Angular stuff just to get things from a data set, get HTML on the screen. And I'm going to show you a lot of the code along the way, and you'll realize, oh, this is mostly about CSS. This is not really about uh, about Angular. Now, that said, I do want to make sure we talk about some Angular CSS things along the way, because Angular, even though it doesn't depend on any particular um, you know, kind of CSS framework and thing like that, has some fantastic facilities for making it easier to deal with CSS. So if you see something and you're like, wait a minute, I don't understand what that's doing. How, do, how, is, how is that Angular thing helping me with CSS? please stop and ask. Uh, and really, anything else, I want to have this be a conversation, not so much just me talking at you. I would love if at some point we could address um, how Angular seems to fight cascading styles with its view encapsulation, because that kind of hurts my heart, but maybe that's for a different time. <laughs> oh, no, no. Actually, view encapsulation is kind of fundamental to uh, to the way that Angular works with CSS. And uh, and we will definitely talk about that along the way. So. Um, the, the TLDR version of that, though, is that by default, Angular components, if you, if you associate styles inside of an Angular component, like with the component local style sheet, those styles are strictly local to that component. And the way you phrased it is kind of funny because it's like, you know, you hate the way that, that cascading styles fight with that. If you understand that that is what's going on and you realize the, the, that constraint is in place, it can be fantastically freeing. Uh, it actually brings... CSS back to the earliest days of CSS when we had like, you know, three tags on a page and we could refer to them strictly by their names and CSS becomes beautifully simple again if you know that that view encapsulation is happening. If you don't know what's happening, it'll drive you absolutely bonkers because you're like, why isn't everything that I was told work, you know, it's supposed to work a certain way, no longer working. So view uh, encapsulation is not your head, enemy. We're you used to using that cascading styles so that we, you know, we style globally expecting it to trickle down everywhere. And so whenever I first realized that I was, I was crying a little bit inside, but I'm trying to get used to the view encapsulation and not just say view encapsulation dot none. Um. <laughs> yeah, please don't do that. Don't just don't default to turning off view encapsulation. Uh, and w once we talk through it, I think you'll realize, oh, I still get all the power of global styles if I want them. But when I don't want them, I don't have to worry about them because uh, you know the the classic thing with CSS is you make what you think is one innocuous change in one you know tiny corner of the application and the wheels fly off the other side of the app because you have this spooky action in the distance problem with CSS. View encapsulation can help you not can make that problem just go away for you, but you don't lose the power of global styles and the global cascade if you don't want to. Oh, let's do it! I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, so let me demonstrate one. One quick thing first, right out of the gate. So the best feature ever. All right, now we have this cool planet in the background with the star field and we have a satellite. What do you think this is actually demonstrating? That's right, it's centering. Hooray, look, watch. The satellite stays centered right in the middle of the page no matter what I do. How, how are really you doing? Really small. <laughs> really big. Look at that. It just stays. Um, and the beautiful thing about this example is how incredibly simple it is. So let's flip over to the application. Pull it up here and drag it onto the screen. And here's my Angular app. So I'm just focusing on the one small part of it that, uh, that we're gonna care about here. 
this particular example is the centering example. So in here, I'm gonna show you all of the HTML associated with this particular component. And by the way, all of these examples are constructed so that they're pretty much self-contained. So everything that you see out here, all of these examples, you can look at them pretty much in isolation. And that means that here in Chrome, everything that you're seeing on the screen is coming from this one example component. So you don't have to wonder about you know, everything else going on in the application. There is a global style sheet and I'll show it to you, but it's basically the sort of things you would expect to see in a global style sheet, like setting the box model, stuff like that. There's nothing really magical about it. Everything that we care about is actually happening here in this one component. And here's the entire markup for that one component. There you go, an image on the screen. And just to prove the point, if I go into Chrome and I inspect this element, and we take a look at how we got that on the page, it really is as simple as we described. So where's so, the background coming from? Me? Oh, I'll where's, show you. Okay. I, I, that's exactly the question that I want you to ask because I want to be able to show it to you. Um, here is our image inside of our example centering component that we are routing to. Here's our router outlet. There's our root component. That's everything that's happening on this page. All the rest of this stuff is your typical Angular stuff. So that's really the only thing that we've got. The example centering component is where our styles currently live. And that's the HTML that we're working with. So two big questions. First of all, where's the cool planet coming from? And secondly, how are we actually centering this thing on the page? There was no markup associated with the centering. Fortunately, that story is pretty simple too. Uh, I'll start by showing you the TypeScript just to show you there's you know, nothing hidden up my sleeve. Here's the entire TypeScript for this particular component. So typical Angular component, all it's got is a label, so that'll show up on the, the menu that I showed you at the beginning. We have our template that I just showed you, selector, and then finally, this style URLs block. Now, these are those ter terrifying uh, local style sheets that Alyssa was just talking about. That is where I'm putting all of the CSS for this particular component. Here's the whole thing. Turn off the, uh, the directory so you can see the, uh, the whole thing. We're styling our host component. That is what actually makes these styles local to this particular component. We have view encapsulation turned on. None of that really is relevant to grid, but I want you to understand how Angular and CSS are playing together. We say that the display for this component, which we would typically put something like block or inline, this is a grid display. And we're saying that this component is gonna take up 100 vertical height units. In other words, it's gonna take up the entire viewport height. And here is how we put it in the middle. Place items center. Like stick it in the middle of the screen. That's literally what that line means. So what are the options when it comes to place items? Well, place items is actually a shorthand for uh, justify items and align items. So um, justify, like you justify something in a word processor is the horizontal, the back and forth uh, uh, horizontal uh, placement of, of an item. And the align is the vertical alignment. So place item says, I want to do the vertical and the horizontal together, and I want them both to be set to the center. Okay. So I could split this into two pieces if I wanted to, uh, and it would still work, but place items is a really nice shorthand when you want to do something with both of them at one time. And it doesn't have to be center. There's lots of different uh, options that you can use for place items, but this is by far everybody's favorite because it's like finally I have the ability to put something right in the middle of the screen. And what happens if you have a bunch of satellites with this exact same styles? Do they like wrap and they're like a column down the middle of the screen or? No, let's just try it. So if we go in here to our HTML and have lots of satellites, go back. We're going to let, you know, Angular rebuild itself. By the way, Angular is rebuilding itself in the background. That's what's going on over here. And then we refresh the page. And of course, it's taking longer than it normally would, but everything is still in the center. Okay. Now, I haven't done I haven't done any additional CSS work to like make the planet not scroll in the background or anything like that. But that's all possible too. So just to zoom out and show you, I actually am placing everything in the center. Okay. Awesome. All right. So you asked about the planet in the background. That's not a CSS grid thing, but it is kind of a cool HTML or excuse me CSS trick, and so it's worth looking at. Here is our planet. If I take it away, I like be it. able to see that the background just goes away. Um, 
So after we rebuild, it would help if we actually rebuilt the whole thing. <laughs> so you're building a radial gradient gradient for the planet, and then you have your your star background image. Right. So here is our centered satellite that is now lost in some sort of void because there's no planet anymore. So yeah, that is a trick that I use for the uh, for the background. The star field is just a picture, and then the radial gradient is sitting on top of that star field. So this is just making a planet right here. Again, not a CSS grid thing, but still kind of a neat trick. Again, my hidden agenda that is no longer hidden is to show off cool CSS and make people go, yeah, I should care. All right, so you get the idea? Does that make sense? Love it. <laughs> All right, let's make things a little more complicated. All right, once this reloads, we'll go back to our menu. Um, by the way, the space theme came from ng-conf. ng-conf this year was all space themed, which was wonderful because I had this giant pile of space data that I had already assembled for other stuff. I'm like, cool, I'll finally be able to put it to use. And so- <laughs> Well, why'd you have a, a pile of space data? Who has that? <laughs> well, well, that thing that I mentioned at the beginning, uh, this is what I do in my you know copious free time is actually go and train uh, in Angular. And it's always nice to have lots of data to play with for in-class examples. You didn't get to see much of this because I hadn't actually gotten a chance to play with it yet. Um, but I was assembling a lot of space-related stuff because I'm like, you know, that would make for good class examples. And then when, I guess, Aaron announced, you know, it's going to be all about space this year's NGCOP, I'm like, finally, I'll get a chance to do something with it. So a lot of my examples <laughs> were space-themed. And they're pretty. That's the nice thing is uh, the, the, the space examples means you get to show off cool, you know, nebula and galaxies and planets and stuff like that. All right. So here we have a, uh, you know, a three column layout with um, some work from uh, Carl Sagan, Pale Blue Dot. Um, I'm going to go into this particular example and show you what it would look like if we took the layout away. So this is our sandbox example. Um, let's just take the, uh, the CSS back to basically nothing on this guy. In fact, I'll take them all the way back. There we go. All right, so here is, once it rebuilds, which again is taking way longer than it normally should. I have no idea why. Save that. You can all watch the Angular CLI do its work. There we go. I think Mike, did we add a flag in the CLI somewhere to say Angular Air on so that it would build faster when people are on air? I can neither confirm nor deny that rumor. I wasn't going to say anything, but you know. Um, <laughs> all right, here is our HTML page, basically with no layout applied to it. So we have you know a header at the top. We've got some text from Pale Blue Dot. We've got a giant picture of Carl Sagan, and then another picture of, believe it or not, Earth. That right there, that is Earth. That is the pale blue dot that he's talking about. Um, and then a little bit of text uh, that would be you know, going a footer at the bottom. All right, so the HTML for this, just as simple as you would expect it to be. We have this div that we're giving a class to make it easy to find later. And we have a header that actually has an H1 inside of it. Main, which is gonna hold our main content and then some random paragraphs inside that content. A couple of images an aside and a footer. Now, if you're not familiar, by the way, these aren't CSS things. These are just HTML5 elements. And a lot of people, especially programmers, don't tend to be familiar with anything beyond like div, span, paragraph, image. But these are these came along with HTML5 and they really are nice for the improving the semantic structure of your HTML. So it allows your HTML to say, here's the intent of this particular element, way better than just a, a random paragraph or worse yet, just a plain old div would. So we've got these elements here. It also makes it really nice to be able to grab a hold of them and style them. Now remember, we're in an Angular application, which means that by default, we have that, that wonderful view encapsulation that Alyssa loves so much. And that means that we can write style sheets with kind of blissful abandon. We would never in a normal application ever write a style sheet that referred directly to a header element like this, directly to an aside, or worse yet, directly to an image. I mean, look at this terrible thing that I'm doing. I'm saying, Every image in my application is going to be 100% the width of its container because that's not really what I'm doing here. I'm saying that images only within this particular component 
are going to be 100% the width of their container. I don't have to worry about this particular style leaking out of this component and affecting the rest of the application. So that spooky action and distance stuff that we were talking about at the beginning simply doesn't happen with view encapsulation. So here in our component definition, we didn't turn off view encapsulation, which means this style sheet that we refer to here really only applies to an instance of the example sandbox element. Even if we had another example sandbox element, if we created two or three of these simultaneously, the styles that go along with each individual component would still be local to that component. So if you don't know that's what's going on and you don't know how to work, your, work around it when you need to, it can be really frustrating. But if you know that's what's happening, it lets you write blissfully simple style sheets that are associated just with your component. So Alyssa, I'm curious to know if I'm doing anything to kind of move the needle on, on your feelings on view encapsulation yet. <laughs> Uh, a little bit. It's just for people who write styles a lot, like daily, mm -hmm. you kind of get accustomed to like you, for instance, you know, your app inside and out um, or the product that you're working on. And so um, you, I feel like this way, yes, it, it's blissful, but at the same time, it could lend a hand to uh, hella duplicate styles <laughs> and been contradicting um contradicting styles at times. So if you have to worry about cascades, then you have to you have to write cleanly. You have to stick to the style guide, things like that. So absolutely. Um, and the funny thing is, is um, I have seen exactly the problem that you're talking about. So as long as we're on this topic, I'll, I'll take a brief detour over and, and talk about the way that I tend to use styles in Angular, uh, because I think it, it could save a lot of people the grief that Alyssa is talking about. So first of all, we still have global styles. Uh, you know, an Angular CLI application by default comes with a wonderfully handy styles.css file at the very top or styles.scss, depending on how you set it up. And these are your typical styles that you've always had. And you can have as many of these global style sheets as you want. They can import other things if you're using something like SCSS. So all of these actually do apply to your entire application. The cascade still works the way that it always has. There's no view encapsulation going on here. So I've actually set my box model. I've set up you know, the, the, the font and the line height and the padding and the margin for the body of the application. I've said that all of my A elements will no longer have an underline on them. Uh, I wanted all of my list items in, in bulleted lists to have a top and bottom margin of 10 pixels. That's my global style sheet. And literally everywhere in the application that any of these elements are used, all of this stuff will still apply. So what's the point of the local style sheets? Well, in my particular application that I'm showing off here, I wanted each one of these things to be fairly self-contained. So like my little example sandbox component, I wanted it to be possible for someone looking at this application to just be able to look at this style sheet and understand everything that was going on inside this one component. But in a real Angular application that I was actually gonna use in production, I would probably never put some of these more cosmetic rules like background color, padding. These are all things that should go exactly where Alyssa was just describing. They should be part of your global style sheet, should be part of the cascade. So that, for example, you could theme an entire application globally. You could change the color scheme, change the, um, uh, you know, the, the default margins for things, default padding for things, all the stuff that you typically think of in CSS, you could do globally. And that's exactly what I would do in normal application here that I wasn't trying to, to show off, you know, just these little pieces at a time. That totally makes sense. And it does make me feel better about it because I feel like uh, a lot of people would just be like, okay, put everything into these component style sheets. And so right. um, I'm glad that like, you know, you're thinking about it and teaching that, you know, uh, <laughs> anything that's global should go in the global style sheet. So yeah. I like and people often do what you describe and I peel them away from that. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what it's for. So people then ask, all right, well, why did you guys give me this local style sheet? Why did the Angular team make this part of a component definition? And my answer for that is pretty much, if you have CSS that is fundamental to the functionality of a component, like if the CSS is not there, it doesn't work, that's what goes in those local style sheets. And then you can depend on those things working and only applying to that local style sheet. But I don't put cosmetics here. I don't put colors. I don't put fonts. I try to avoid things like margins and padding. But functionality and often layout. Like layout is one of those things that in a component is often really critical to the way the component works. And that's what brings us right back to grid and things like grid and flex. Um, so the local style sheets are often a fantastic place to make sure that your component works right 
and not put things like colors, fonts, et cetera, that really should come from the global cascaded style sheets. I love it. Do you feel, you feel better? Feels so much better. Thank you for explaining okay. that. <laughs> I want to chime in on this a little bit too, as well. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges is when people come in and, and they're used to doing some CSS patterns, when we talk about like BEM and things like that, and thinking in like, how do you modularize your CSS and make it work across the, the board for your application? Well, we're in a component world in Angular, right? And the component is is a different paradigm in the sense that, it, like you said, it's encapsulating this markup, this functionality in this chunk, and it kind of can drive the the structure and the, the layout for that particular trunk, just like you explained in terms of what it needs to do to, to provide that markup in that module sense, right? In the display module parts, page parts, that sort of thing. Um, so I think it's part of under, thinking, thinking along the lines of components and what we're building in. Uh, but it's also thinking about the fact that like those components are reusable, right? Whether you're using them in line in an app in one spot, or you say, I wanna go and put that in another app page that shows up, or maybe even use it as an Angular element somewhere else, right? And that's when you really want to look and say, okay, what is needed? What CSS is needed that's not in the global to make my component still work and still render the way that I want it to render? And those are the right. things that build, I think should come in into this local styling to ensure that this component can be used elsewhere places and, and not rely upon some other you know, global CSS to make it render the way that you intend it to render. Right. To, to build on that, one of the things I will often do is uh, I, I adhere really strongly to the guidelines that I was just explaining about, you know, local CSS is about the component's functionality. So, again, I've tried to make all of these examples self-contained. So I have things like background color and padding in here. Uh, but I've often been tempted to add comments that basically say, for goodness sake, don't do this in a production application. Go see, you know, this article for how it actually structure this. Um, so I, I've got I've got kind of competing concerns here. Um, but to your point, Justin, I will often include along with the functionality CSS, the CSS that's fundamental to making the component work, like default styling for the uh, for the component. And I'll put a big comment around it that says this is here and is available in case there isn't any other styling applied elsewhere in the application. In other words, I know that this component won't necessarily be able to take advantage of the cascaded styles. And so I'll use really innocuous default styling just to make sure that if somebody uses the component without any other styling at all, it still functions. Um, but that is that is usually not the, uh, you know, my intent anyway for a local style sheet. It's all about making the component work. Very cool. Yeah, and that totally makes sense. There, because we use the style URLs, we could actually have that in two separate files if we wanted to have two separate CSS files, one for the stuff that you're talking about in terms of global including, and then one for the stuff that's specific to the component if we wanted to organize that on a component level a little easier. Right. The only issue that you run into there, uh, and, and this kind of goes back to Alyssa's original point, is all of these style URLs or any style block that you have in the HTML, uh, or even if you put like style text right here in, in the, you know, in the other the property for that they're all still encapsulated styles by default if you don't turn off view encapsulation and i don't recommend turning off view encapsulation if you can if you can avoid it um they're all still encapsulated so you still have to do a couple of tricks sometimes to uh to work around angular trying to keep you from accidentally leaking styles it's not hard to do but it, it can be a little bit tricky and again if you if you aren't aware that's what's going on and why it's happening it can be really frustrating if you're you know, an old hand at CSS and you're like, I know how this is supposed to work and Angular's keeping it from working. Angular's keeping it from working just to make life easier, but if you don't know what it's doing, it'll drive you insane. What happens when you have like a list of styles right there and your style URLs, like are they, um, is it like listening to the first one first and then the second one will override or does the second uh, one totally wipe out the first? Oh, no, it, you can, like Justin was saying, you can actually build up a list of styles here. So if I came in here and put in, you know, multiple style sheets, just comma separated, then each one of them is going to get applied. And it's basically, you know, each each one of these could be a separate style sheet. And if rules inside these style sheets override one another, then that happens. But it's just as if you've pulled in one giant single style sheet okay. in that order. Cool. Uh, and again, you've also got style text uh, and you can put styles even in your template. So I could in my template actually put a style block and it would also apply. 
Uh, a lot of people really like that because it means that they don't have to have a, have a separate style sheet. I kind of like to keep my styles and my templates separate, but it's more a matter of convention and taste. Kind of the same thing as putting your template in the TypeScript file versus having a separate file for yeah. it. Yeah. Similar idea. Yeah. <laughs> so Angular will take those style URLs and render those in the head element of the page and they'll go in the order that you have them listed there. So they'll put exactly. in the blocks inside of the head block at the top based on those style URLs in the order that you have them listed in that array. And the lovely thing is you don't pay a separate, you know, cost for a separate HTTP request at that point. All of the styles in your application end up in the head section. They come along with your, uh, you know, with the, the application shell uh, all at one time. And a lot of people are really surprised by that when I open up that that head section, the giant style blocks at the top, and they're like, wow, how did all of this end up here? It's from Angular quite intelligently picking up all the local style sheets and putting them where they belong. Yeah, the component oh. is getting rendered into one payload, right? Which then has the logic in JavaScript to to render it on the fly mm -hmm. into that head element. Exactly. Yeah, it's uh I I often don't get a chance to dive too deeply into that in class because there's just so much like how to use Angular um, it, that has to happen in class. I tell people at the beginning of the class, it's like we have three days to cover an approximately infinite amount of material. Um, and that is one of the things that I would love to be able to show people more often. It's like, look what Angular is actually building behind the scenes. And I'll sometimes pull up the, uh, the, the JavaScript files and show people the actual structure of the page because it's actually really impressive the things that Angular is doing for you to structure your application in a way that makes sense and is performant uh, at runtime. I really want to take your class. I've been doing Angular for years and, I, and I'm a GDE, so I feel like I know Angular, but you just cracked me up, Bill. You made me laugh. What did I say that was? <laughs> you don't even try to laugh. Just you're talking. And you're just like, we're just going to go through and just drop all this code with blissful abandon. And I'm just over here cracking up because you're not even trying to be, you don't even know you're funny, but you're funny. I just love you. I get a kick I, out I, I hope that's good. That is good. <laughs> all right. We've managed to get through. Uh, one and a half examples out of so, <laughs> so many. So other than centering a satellite, I want to hear some more good. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to uh, we're gonna deal with Carl here for just a moment, and I'll go ahead and and uh, jump to the punchline of this particular example. So I showed you the HTML. The HTML is really straightforward. It's like, look, we have a header section, a main section, and a couple of you know aside footer images, um, and as you would expect on the page. If I zoom way out here, you can see, you know, here's our header at the top, text, picture, picture, aside, and footer. No real layout, it's just happening top to bottom. And if we wanted to apply a layout to this, we can do it all over in the CSS. And if I start by just saying, you know, like display grid right here, you might think, oh, okay, well, that's going to instantly do something to the page. And in reality, it won't. It's still going to look exactly the same because we haven't said anything about the actual grid layout itself. We haven't said what to do to this particular layout. So there's lots of stuff that we could do. And for example, a really simple one would be to say that our grid should have a template columns setting of, let's say 300 pixels, 500 pixels, and then 200 pixels. And what that's saying is in our grid layout, we're gonna have a column on the left, a column in the middle, and a column on the right. So if I say that and give this thing you know, a month to refresh, Pull up the console so we can actually see it happening over here. All right, so we can see there's our left-hand element. That's our, our header section. Here's our main section in the middle. Here's that first image of Carl. Now, we had another image and we had some other stuff as well. So if we scroll down further, you can actually see they're also being laid out columnar. Now this is not the layout we actually want, but you can already see some of the power beginning to, to creep in here. Just by applying this display grid and giving it three column definitions, we've already taken all of the items in our HTML and said, adhere them to that grid. This guy goes in the first column, the main section goes in the second column, the first image goes in the third column, the second image is back to the first column again. That's what we're seeing here. Carl's in the third column, pale blue dot in the first column. So it's working its way through each one of those column definitions over and over again. 
So that's nice. Not exactly what we want. We'd like to do uh, a little better job of of actually, you know, say taking advantage of the browser resizing. Um, maybe what we want to do is we want to make it so the text in the middle uh, expands and contracts based on the width of the browser. Well, fortunately, that's really easy. We don't have to lock ourselves down to individual pixel values, for example. Now you might think, okay, great. Maybe I want that to take up 50% of the of the width of the page. Uh, and I could do that, but Grid actually has a much better solution for that. If you think about your grid as being divided into pieces like we're doing here, so this is a 300 pixel column and we had a 500 pixel column in the middle or 400 pixel, whatever we want. Well, we've divided into the three pieces, but we'd really like to be able to, to be quite a bit more flexible about some of it. So if I use a unit like FR, that says, Line up all the columns with whatever the, the static definitions are and, you know, figure out all the math for that. And then whatever is left over, we're going to call that the, the available space. And we want to take a fraction of that available space. Well, in this case, we're saying call all of the available space and just grab whatever it is and make it available to us. So I'll have my 300 pixels on the left, my 200 pixels on the very uh, on the very right side. But in the middle, it'll just expand and contract based on whatever space is available. So once What's it FR stand for? Fractional unit, like a fraction of the available space. So in this case, what we'll see is the column as we define it on the left, all of the space in the middle, and then the space on the right. And if you notice, this guy is 200, this is 300, that's what I think we said. Yeah, 200 on the right, 300 on the left, and one fraction of the available space is left over. So now this actually expands and contracts appropriately. Now, FR can be a little bit confusing because you're like a fraction of what? It's a fraction of whatever space is left over after it figures out all the other definitions. So we could actually say, you know, I kind of want my, my left-hand column to flex as well. Um, and I want it to take up one fraction of the available space, but it shouldn't be the same size as the middle. So I'm gonna say three fractions of the available space. So in this case, what happens is grid says the right-hand column is going to be 200 pixels wide, period, end of story. We're going to have some space left over on the screen after that happens. We're going to divide it into four pieces, and we're going to use one of those pieces on the left and three of those pieces in the middle. So you see how the FR unit works? It's saying take all the available space, divide it up into ever how many pieces I've asked for, and then let me parcel it out. So in this case, I've said I want one-fourth of it on the left and three-quarters of it in the middle. So if I save that, now not only will my middle section expand and contract appropriately, but the right hand will, or the left hand will as well. So once it refreshes, I promise you my computer is normally faster. Now, notice carefully, the middle and the left-hand side are both contracting and expanding. But the right-hand side, where Carl's picture is, never changes because we've nailed it to 200 pixels wide. Can we, where's your other picture? Oh, it's, down at the very bottom the of the first page. column? Exactly. So as I change that, you can see it's actually contracting as well. So if you wanted that picture to be under the other one, you would have to either put like two blank divs or put it in the same wrapper as the other image. Nope, we don't live in that world anymore. Life is so much better now. I'll jump to the punchline. I could go in here and I could say, you know, all right, along with this, I wanna do grid template rows. And I wanna say that there's going to be a 150 pixel row at the top. Uh, whatever fraction of available space or auto in the middle and then 300 pixels at the bottom and then another 200 pixels after that. So I'm making that up. I'm completely uh, inventing that on the fly. That's adding rows to my column definition. So now not only do I have three column definitions, but I've said there's going to be a top row, a row after that that's going to just take up whatever size it needs to, and then two more rows after that. And that's often fantastic for, for things where you don't really know how many different elements you've got. Uh, so like in my image gallery, I'll show you an example of, of a slightly more advanced version of what I've done here. But in reality, this page 
we already know everything that's on this page. We know there's going to be a header, which is currently misplaced over on the left-hand side. We know there's going to be this body text in our main element. We've got a couple of pictures. What we really like to do is just say, hey, grid, put these things in the places where I want them to be. So I'm going to jump down here to the bottom where I've got my little commented out section. I'm going to show you what a template for that would look like. So here I'm just going to steal this guy. And now, instead of going through the pain of defining rows and columns and all that, I'm actually saying, here's a template for our entire grid. And our grid is going to have a header at the top that's going to stretch across three columns. What? It's going to have a side on the what? left, main in the middle. The picture of Carl and the pale blue dot are going to be stacked on top of each other. The footer is going to stretch all the way across the bottom. And then these individual columns, I'm going to say 200 pixels wide on the left, two FRs, two, two fractions of the available spaces left over in the middle, and one fraction on the right-hand side. So let me finish putting all this stuff in place, and then I'll refresh the page and show you what it will really look like. So currently, I don't have any definitions for any of the pieces. I'm going to change that. I'm actually going to put those pieces in place. So. Yeah, actually, I'm just going to do this whole thing here and kill off the rest of it. Hey, Bill, while you're doing that, they were asking the YouTube chat if there was a GitHub repo that they could access. Absolutely. If you go to GitHub WN Odom, that's my name on GitHub, Spacewalk is the repo there. Rose said that your uh, ng-conf uh, workshop was amazing and reshaped the way he thought about giving courses. So that's some pretty uh, good prayer. Who was that that said that? I, I should send them a check. Zach Rose. You don't know Zach DeRose. You know Zach oh, Rose. He's awesome. Absolutely. I love Zach. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't understand the He's name. He's saying that was more of your network connection, Bonnie, and not his knowledge of Zach. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're so very yeah, far I, away I, now, Bonnie. I, I, I feel it I'm on the sorry. internet and in my heart. <laughs> All right, so github.com WN Odom slash spacewalk. That's it. All right, so now that I've done this here, hopefully I've saved it and we can refresh and see the different layout of our page. So now our header is actually a header. Our Column on the left contains the aside that we wanted. The text in the middle is taking up all the room it needs to take up. The pictures are stacked on top of each other, and the footer is actually a footer. I'm just really all trying to wrap my brain around what you just did. Sorry. <laughs> it was amazing, but also here's, what? Here's the important bit right can, there. The part that I've got highlighted. Well, I'm sorry, Mike? Can I try and explain that to make sure I understand what's going on here? Absolutely. I'll, let, let's find out if I did a good job. Okay, so based off of the fact that the strings are defining three different columns, you will have three columns in your layout. Exactly. And each one of the rows there, each one of the strings in that essentially like an array type thing represents a row. And mm -hmm. then by typing a string there of header, aside, main, car, all those things is given a name for the placement that you can reference down below to say, hey, I want to put content in that particular place. Yeah, it's actually known as a grid area. So header, header, header right here. We've defined a grid area called header, and we've said that it's stretching across three columns inside of one row. A side is another grid area, and it's stretching across two rows in a single column. And the way we associate the individual grid areas with whatever element we want, it might look like I'm saying, oh, there will be a header element here. In reality, I've just named that area, and then I can use that name however I want. And just down below, I've said that the header element is going to be in the grid area called header. And you see that's important for things like those images, which actually have class names associated with them. So class Carl is going to be in grid area Carl. They happen to have similar names, but they don't have to have the same name. I just called them that so it was very obvious where each one actually lives. But yeah, you've got exactly the right idea. This is a single row. This is a single column in our grid definition. And we've got grid areas defined in those rows and columns. And we're saying header stretches across three rows, a side stretches across, or excuse me, header stretches across three columns, a side stretches across two rows. And then we drop content in each one of those places. The image of Carl ends up there. The image of pale blue dot ends up there. The footer stretches across the entire bottom of the page. 
and you can see all that happening in Chrome. Is there a way to like, uh, but once you reach this media query, stop doing that? I guess you just wrap a new grid layout in a media query and it would override it? Right there. What I've said is when we're at 600 pixels, change the layout. So if I resize this slowly, you'll actually be able to see the layout shift. There you go. Now I've just stacked it up. So Carl's now at the top. The header is below Carl. The aside is below the header, text, and then the other image. So wow. I've actually changed the layout, including changing the order that things appear on the screen. So notice Carl is now at the top of the screen. The header is below his image. That's a different layout from where we started. I noticed that in your new, your 600 pixel definition, you don't have any of the like one FR, two FR business. I didn't need it because I have an automatic width that just stretches across the entire uh, width of the viewport. Okay. So in here, I could put in like actual heights. If I, if I change this to just plain old grid, then I could say, you know, I want to make this guy 500 pixels high. And then I want to set up a width of 350 pixels for the entire column. But I don't have to do that if I don't want to. Okay. So now the Carl row will be limited to a specific height. The header, aside, main, et cetera, they'll just be as big as they need to be. And I really love taking advantage <laughs> of the automatic, uh, you know, heights and widths if I can do that. So let's this see what kind of nonsense I've caused. Crazy. Oh, I put my semicolon in the wrong spot. There we go. Yes, that is the right reaction. The first time I saw this, I'm like, hallelujah, finally. <laughs> it's only been since 1997 that I wanted this. And it took, you know, 97 to 2017, but it finally showed up. Wow, this changes a lot, actually. A lot more than I thought it would. <laughs> right. Lots of digest, right? And my, all only concern, my only concern again? is that PBD is not pale blue dot. It is Pete Bacon Darwin. Mm -hmm. awesome. It is. It is Peter. You know, I, never, I, I didn't really consider that when I came up with these examples, but it has been pointed out. So yes, sorry, Pete. You're you're now you're famous on another axis. Nice. All right. Uh, I know that we are up against the clock now. Uh, we've we've used up an hour, and I've gotten through an example. <laughs> I think we got a good starting example, and then this good rich example. I think it was a great you know set of content there. And if you would be willing, I would die to book you again because I I would I would just love to see what what other powers you have with the grid. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm okay to go over time. I don't know about everybody else, but even just I, going yeah, through these two hold on even just going through these two examples i think you've won people over to grid with just those two examples and what is there another dozen or so yeah let's let's pick one or two uh, and i'll try to get through them quickly just to kind of show off some of the power because there is one thing that that people are off oh, first of all i should ask justin are you okay with that cuz it's your show i actually have to wrap up yeah so okay. uh, we'll have to schedule another one. We can totally schedule another one, and we could do it any time during any of the weeks too. It doesn't have to be the the any time, any time. <laughs> what was that? That was my anytime dance. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fine with me. And then you'll get to see things like you know playing cards. Oh my gosh! Yes, please, please, let's, yes. Let's do that. Let's, let's find another one. If you're available, and, and like I said, we'll just we'll figure out the best time for your schedule, and we'll just do a bonus episode if we have another episode already that week. Okay, uh, yeah. In my own defense, I would simply like to say you guys asked such fantastic questions at the beginning that we that we only got this far. I know. I'm so, sorry. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> that was on me. That was on me, Coach. Well, it's like you said at your at your workshop. You're like, you got three days to go through infinite stuff. We probably should have mentioned we've got one hour to go through infinite stuff. <laughs> Hey, hey, Bill. Yes, sir. Uh, the one thing I want you to talk about before we close up here, uh, can you talk about browser support? I know you mentioned Evergreens, but the dreaded IE isn't there. And I just looked at Can I Use, so I wanted you to give the the platform to talk about that. Uh, absolutely. Here's here's the the very quick version of that. Uh, like I said, Grid showed up in early 2017, uh, basically 
across all of the Evergreen browsers almost simultaneously. And we mentioned Flex earlier. Flex, as wonderful as it is, they learned a lot of lessons from the way that Flex landed in different browsers. It landed at different times and with slightly different implementations, and it really infuriated a lot of people. I was one of them because I'm like, you finally had a chance to really make this consistent and good across the board, and it didn't happen. And they're like, never again. So Grid actually lived behind a feature flag in all these browsers for the better part of four years. And it was introduced simultaneously across uh, Edge and Firefox and Safari and Chrome pretty much all at one time. Now, you asked about IE. IE 11 and 10 actually do have a version of Grid layout. The funny thing is Microsoft got Grid before anybody else did. They came up with a lot of it and implemented it early, which means that their implementation is slightly non-standard. The wonderful thing is that there is a tool called Auto Prefixer, which I believe, let's see, I should have put a link out here, but I do not. Um, Auto Prefixer, which comes built into Angular, that actually gives you a lot of capabilities like the ability to define grid layouts this way. Um, so you might, you might be pleasantly surprised with how much you can get out of certainly IE 11 uh, and grid, but, but definitely in an evergreen browser, um, it is incredibly well supported. Did I answer your question? Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I figured it, you had it in your repertoire and just giving you the platform to talk about it. Sure thing. Yeah, auto prefixer is the thing that you want to look at. All right, cool. All right, well, yeah, we're, we're at that top hour. Time to wrap up. So um, that was awesome. We're going to have to plan another session for sure. If, if you're available, that'd be great. Okay, yeah, happy to do it. Um, and, and I will try to talk faster next time. <laughs> awesome. This is perfect. All right. Well, thanks a ton for uh, sharing your time and, and sharing this content. We really appreciate it, Bill. Thank you. Sure thing. Anytime. Thanks. All right. That's a wrap. Have a good one, everyone. We will catch you next time. See ya. Bye-bye.